your journey into music and your upbringing towards uh, uh, music and and uh, what 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 attracted you to that? I, I know that you there was a musical element to your to your home and upbringing, but you know I think you took that, embodied it, and ran off on your end. I'd like you to explain to the listeners sort of your journey into music and and where you are today in, in that aspect. Well, you're correct that my family had a lot of music. So my mother plays piano and sings. My father plays guitar and sings. My three older sisters all played instruments and sang. Um, when I was 12, I got into playing guitar. I got my first uh, guitar then. And it was because I was at my grandmother's house in Newmarket, not far from here. And uh, I was playing with a soccer ball inside. And they were all playing music. And they basically said, if you're going to play with your ball, go outside. So I remember being outside, looking in, which when I was a kid, I wrote a song called Standing on the Outside, Looking In. And it was all about looking in and seeing everybody having a good time. And I was by myself with my soccer ball. And I thought, I don't want to, I don't want this. I want to be a part of that musical thing that's going on. The change for me was, my grandfather said, you'll never learn how to play guitar. He was a pretty tough dude. And he said, you'll never learn. You don't have the stick-to-itiveness. And my father thought it was going to be difficult, but he thought, I'll teach you three chords. From those, and I learned piano as a kid a little bit, but it was in between, like, my mom making dinners and stuff, so yeah. it was basic lessons. But once I got the guitar, the first thing I kind of did was took those three chords, took the song or two that I might have known, and messed with them. Like, I was like, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine, you make me happy. Like, I would just change the, change a little phrasing or something. Or I'd sit on the piano. Brim, you are my sunshine. Brim, 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 my only sunshine. And my parents, mostly my father, because of his strict religious background, he's a minister still, mm-hmm. he said, son, that's not how the song goes. You can't, you're not supposed to play it like that. And in church, I would take the melodies of the music, and my sisters were amazing singers. So we would always be singing harmonies and doing stuff in rounds and finding those opportunities in a song. And again, I was told, admonished, please don't change the songs. It's kind of disrespectful. Whatever that was to me, I didn't have a, I don't like this or I don't like that or I don't believe this or I don't believe that. There was something there that made me feel, but I'm so drawn to this. Even if it's wrong, how could it be wrong? And it felt so right. So I spent, you know, from 12 to like 17 in a paradox of that's not what the church and that's supposed to be your direction is the church and that's not what's uh, uh, supposed to be allowed and it's actually wrong, kind of shameful the way you're doing it. And then finally by 17, I was like, I need to go out and figure this out alone. I don't know what the problem is and I don't have questions and answers. I just have weird feelings. Anyway, that really led me to being the kind of guy that would sit there and, you know, change up songs, add Beastie Boys with Kenny Rogers, put, uh, uh, what's his name, Lenny Kravitz with with, with uh, uh, um, Merle Haggard. And you had to find that out on your own, because I know in your household. We didn't have it. You, you weren't, you know, Michael Jackson, ACDC, yeah. you weren't listening to that music. Wasn't listening to it. Didn't even know a lot of that stuff existed. I'd heard Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi from my sisters, and I'm like, that's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so long story made longer. It just, I just kind of went on my own little path, put on some blinders, 
and didn't look either left or right to see if I was doing stuff right or wrong or what the world was doing. So, like we discussed earlier, I was able to touch all the spectrums of, of the barriers and go past where most people would have said, that's not where you're supposed to go. And I'm like, well, I'm going in there. I'm trespassing. Yeah. And I'm going to find out. Yeah, tough. I, I, I could imagine, uh, Marshall, and, and, you know, leaving, leaving the nest, right, and, and, and searching for approval in your dream. Yeah. Um, that must have been very challenging for you. And, and, and I know it went full circle, and mm -hmm. I'd love to share that. Um, but you went out and you, and you searched for your dream. I searched for it, and it did come full circle. It took a long time, yeah. but it was all for that, that one thing. I remember one time being in a therapist's office, and she says, Oh, Marshall, you need to come back to center. <laughs> and I mean, my accent isn't great, but whatever. She was this beautiful uh, older Indian woman. And at first I thought, man, what do you know about my life? What do you know about God? What do you know yeah. about the things I know about? What do you know about what I've been through? And then she looked at me and she says, you need to find God again. <laughs> and I was like, what? And so sure enough, and I just got in, a, in the mail, somebody sent me a little meditation book or something like that. And I was like, boy, this is too coincidental. And she was absolutely right. I, I kind of gone to all the spectrums. Not that I need to necessarily find God according to what my parents or what anybody else thought it was, yeah. but what I thought it was. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start discovering trees, mountains, water, wind, sun everything else and you're like there it is yeah tap into those bigger things don't tap into your iphone as much as you tap into what's around things yeah yeah well what i loved about that journey is i was reading into it um you know when first finding out about marshall dane and and just your aura and your dress and your style uh i you know i was thinking that rock and roll life and and just out and about and, and you know did you, I, did you at one time drink, and, and I know you're not drinking anymore, yeah. right, but um, in that era, getting off of center, I, I feel that in getting to know you a bit better, Marshall, that you understood what you wanted, you wanted to deliver your message, right, come back to center, and take care of yourself, and be who you are, and be true to, to what you wanted to deliver, so... To me, I, I found that so appealing. I, I, the comparison I would use is like a CEO of a company, right? Goes to the gym, works out, takes care of themselves, nutrition, looks, opens up the mind to run his company better. Really, that to me uh, is how you come across to me now. And, and, and finding your journey, leaving home at a young age for something you love, evolving, and now you're balanced. I was reading a book maybe about a year and a half ago. And uh, it was talking about shamans and how they would, or shaman, shaman, and how they, there, there's a couple of different words they use, uh, probably Latin words to describe the different types of shamans. And there's one that goes out and never comes back from the forest. And they call that a certain, I can't remember what the word was. Um, but that isn't the ultimate expression of finding yourself. It was more pointed towards the shaman that goes into the forest to find himself and then comes back and reintegrates into society with what they know. You don't expect the world to meet you where you're at because you went out to the forest by yourself mm -hmm. and you figured it out. So instead you show by example what you learned from that thing. And it's the same thing. I couldn't write songs or I couldn't tell myself 
believe in myself unless I personally knew what I was talking about. And if I wanted to write songs about alcohol, I was going to know about alcohol. And if I was going to write songs about love and the, and the challenges or the struggle to get it or the beautiful of finding it, I had to live it. If I didn't live it, I didn't feel like I could authentically tell somebody in a song that this is what I believe you may also have experienced. And I think it's, I personally, I mean, to go to the edge and not burn and to come back and to be able to... That's amazing. I freaking love it. Yeah. Sorry for my... Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, I, I think it's just cooler today. I think we're in an era where having control, being centered, because your power and your strength really is, is, is amplified in your music, right? <clears throat> and that strength is up there on stage, right? It, it, it's just being so strong up there in, in who you are and delivering the message that you want. Your father, a preacher, I still believe that you're preaching in, 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 in a certain way. Still uh, the father's yeah. goal of, of directing you, um, you know, to church, uh, you took it another way and are preaching in another manner. Uh, that's, that's what I'm seeing. And, and, and you want to do it all in. All in. It's got to be authentic. Otherwise, you're, you're marketing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're selling a costume. Yeah. And where you came back full circle, tell me a, a little bit about that. And, and to me, it was touching. And, and I'll tell you, listeners, MarshallDane.com, all his music, after this podcast... You have to listen to his music. Don't look at the video. Just put on your earbuds and listen to these songs, all right? And after you get to know this gentleman a bit better, you will feel the song much differently than you did, right? And just jumping into it. That's what happened to me. I looked into you yesterday, looked through videos, listened to your music. Great. You know, started off with my favorite one, alcohol abuse. Holy jumping. By midnight, I was shaking my booty still with no alcohol. Like, that's a song, right? But then early this morning, I just picked it up again and started uh, looking into it after getting to know you better and your journey. And, you know, man of the house, man, you brought me to tears, right? Your mom, right? Yeah. Motorcycle, you know, um, first time I heard it, I'm. Great song. I love the way you threw that motorcycle in there. Yeah, right. You know, like That's everything, right. everything is just authentic Harley. Yeah, right yeah, and everything's just moving along, right? Every rhythmic, boom, motorcycle. Where'd that come from? And it came in and it yeah. worked, right? But what really, really threw me off on that is I couldn't figure out. I want you to tell the listeners. I, I don't know if it was about a girl you wanted to get on the motorbike because I did hear this connection with your father on the motorcycle aspect. You as a young child motorcycle your dad and then coming back later on in that reconnection right there was one reconnection with a song cats in the cradle with harry yeah. chapman how touching that that was the first song that your father heard yeah. you sing right and then the fact that you reconnected again on this motorcycle journey where he sold his motorcycle and you wanted to ride with the man again yeah right? and then right you come up with this 4d squared version yeah. on your youtube man yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. Please, please, fill me in. Just everything about that song, you know? Well, Motorcycle, I've always wanted to write a song. I wanted to write a song called Motorcycle Country because I think it was Jason McCoy that looked at me one time. We were writing. He says, Marshall, he says, uh, we're trying to figure out a style for what to write here today. And 
and you're not really biker or you're not really horse country you're not yeah. really cowboy country you're not really old western country you're kind of like motorcycle country and I thought ooh I'm going to write a song called motorcycle country and then my dad and I then the whole motorcycle thing happened and uh, I said to my dad like obviously as, as, you, as you touched on I called him up saying hey let's ride I just got a motorcycle and he's like I sold my bike like a week ago and he's had a bike my whole life and I was just like oh, I missed it I wanted this thing, and I know it's gold if I could have had it. Yeah. Anyways, and so he goes and he buys another bike, um, and then he stands there after we ride a few times. But uh, so I sat down to write this tune, and my the buddy I was writing with, he said, let's change it instead of Motorcycle Country. That's a horrible tune, or that's a horrible title. He yeah. said, let's just call it Motorcycle. I don't know how you did that. Like, that was so cool how you threw that in there. It just... And it's just like, yeah, like, because... Uh, to relate to somebody 
else. I wrote it from my own experience. I was in Nashville on the day that my father went into the hospital with a heart attack, and I lost it. Losing it again. Um, I lost it. I went into that session. I was crying. I was all upset. I was drinking hard, and I was like, listen, i got to write this song. i got to write about what what's going on, what went on in my life. And I don't know how much I can talk about, but I need to express what it was like to walk down, to, to be packed up in the middle of the night. Like it was like 1130 at night. And I was in my bed with my snowsuit on, my boots on, everything on. And so were my sisters. And the minute my stepfather was out the door, and it was about 20 minutes, and she knew he wasn't coming back for a while, my mom packed us up and got us out of Dodge. And we drove and drove. We drove into America. We didn't have passports. We just drove in and didn't stop until she ran out of gas. And I just remember sitting in the van. The gas runs out. She can't even see where she's driving. It's so foggy. And we're doing like, you know, just a couple of kilometers an hour. And finally, she just pulls over to the side. And this is the strength of my mother. Not even hesitating. She just sits there, collects herself and says, okay, kids, get out of the van. We're going to go find. We, there was no cell phones. There was no GPS. There was no, you know, anything. So we just got out of the van, me and my four sisters. I think there was a little sister. At the, yeah, there was a little sister at the time. And so the four girls, myself and my mom, are walking down the edge of a, the, the side of a highway, the shoulder, till we find an off-ramp. We go down the off-ramp. We keep walking. Finally, we find a donut shop. And this is old school. My mom had traveler's checks. Like, she went and got a traveler's check because she knew she was doing this. We didn't know she was doing this. And she went to go cash at the donut shop. She goes, what is it, Travis Checks? Like, it's a 24-hour donut shop in the middle of nowhere. So we went all the way back to the van, looking for quarters, looking for anything we could find on the, in the seats of the car or the van. Walked all the way back there, and we had just enough to get a couple of hot chocolates to split, a couple of donuts to split, and a coffee for my mom. And I was reciting that story, talking about what it was like to all of a sudden my dad left when we were four or five. I guess it was four, I don't know, five. And then my stepfather, that whole thing with my mom, she was fed up and she left in the middle of the night. I was about eight and then it happened again at 12 because uh, he found us in, in the States. Um, so that feeling of being the only dude, and then it was my grandma that was part of the family that raised us. So there was like no dudes, just me. And that was my perspective of being... So I became the man of the house. Uh, so I became the man of the house. We used to have nothing but the headlights straight ahead, and I still see the light shining in my mama's eyes when she turned to me and said, "Love is all that matters in the end." And it really is. She taught me that if you have love, you don't need money. If money is great, but you can love. And it's, I, I remember stories. I don't know where they're from, but of some kind of a Catholic martyr woman, something like that, that would walk through the, the streets of Italy. And when all the rubble was around, she would find the rose in the, in the rubble. And that story to me is, is why I wrote Man of the House, was like, it's okay, I can't be the only guy that at one point in a young life became the only dude. I remember playing that song in Bradford, not far from here, and a boy waited. And I know, I can tell the, you know, the kids that are kind of on the outskirts and they're waiting. The girls are in line doing the autographs and the posters. Once that was done, the kid was still standing there. I'm like, this guy's going to come up. And sure enough, he walks over and he's like, I'm going to lose it again. But he goes, hey, man. He goes, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. He goes, ah, I'm losing it. He goes, did you write that song? I said, which one? I wrote them all. He goes, Man of the House. I said, yeah, I wrote it. He goes, I really get that. And then he walked away. And I thought, I don't know if he got it because of the way I got it, but I 
know that that night playing it for my mom with the rest of my bandmates, my bandmates were sitting there thinking, my dad just died. I'm the only dude left. And I thought, this relates not just to me, not just to that kid, but now it's relating to my, my, my bandmates who have other situations. So long story short, as always, um, it was the beginning of me realizing the deeper I tap into what is real, what I really have felt and am not afraid to share is probably the most relatable stuff all right. And so I went down that path and all of a sudden writing a song that mattered about something real really seemed important to me. And I like it when I can write lighthearted songs that don't have it, but I really love it when I can write a song that that grabs the heartstrings and says, this is probably, I'm probably not the only one that felt this weird thing. And not weird, like there's a silver lining behind everything. That's probably the preacher coming out where it's like, yeah, there's always hope. But uh, anyway. Well, your mom uh, sounds like an amazing woman. It's just absolutely incredible parting the bread and always leftovers and and how Mm -hmm. someone can do that. Like we're so privileged today what we have um just an amazing story and thank you for sharing that i know it's deep uh but you know i got yeah no i got this feeling from getting to know you that you're you are very deep and and i wanted to hear that thank you for sharing that's amazing and that song will bring you to tears i guarantee it you have to listen to that song download it marshalldane.com marshall you know and looking at again, how did you get involved with Adventure Tours? Uh, like, that was just like, here you are going, Adventure Tours, and I'm seeing these clips, you know, you're up in this big boat up in the Arctic, and you know, and I'm going, like, talk about wanting to see the world and Canada. Like, it's you know, the like, coolest, dude. The, yeah, just here I am in this country, man. I'm going in. I, how did that connect? That was so beautiful, and how it opened up. And the Nunavut and your go up travels and and we'll get into you know what you discovered there. But how did that happen? Uh, this is also a great story. I'll try to keep it short. I was uh, as long as you want. Thank you. <laughs> I was living in Port Credit and uh, I've been there for quite a few years. At that point, probably ten years. I go running every day up and down my street and didn't realize there was a little adventure company sitting right on that street. On the Monday night, there's a jam that happens in the town. I was out visiting my buddy, hosting it. And as I walked in the door, I could see my buddy at the end of the bar and a little riser. And he's looking back, talking to this pretty blonde lady. And he looks over at me as I walk in. He's kind of looking around first. And then he looks at me and he goes, something, he points at me. Then she comes over a few minutes later. She goes, hey, I was just talking to your buddy Tom Barlow. And he mentioned uh, that you might be interested in traveling to the North Arctic playing music. And I said, surely. She goes, I asked him if there was anybody in here. And it was packed with players to jam. And she goes, the only guy, as he was looking around, and then you walked in, he's like, that guy. And uh, she goes, so if you're interested, I'll send you some information. I'm like, sure. And that was where it was left. My buddy Tom came up after he saw us talk, and he said, Marshall, take this opportunity. Two things. If an elder invites you into his home, take it. It'll change your life. If they offer you fresh, raw seal meat right then and there, you have to try it. It'll change your life. And I thought... Okay, dude. Whatever, man. Yeah. I wasn't having... I hadn't quite hit my spiritual peak, I think. I was just like, all right, you know, let's see what the world has. Next thing you know, 
maybe a month later, I am starting my trek up to uh, Iqaluit in southern Nunavut. And I'm now heading north of the Arctic Circle up to, uh, I think I got to about 79 degrees north, and there's only 90. Mm-hmm. So we got pretty high up, yeah. far above the Arctic yeah. Circle. And sure enough, throughout that first travel, I had uh, was walking through a community, and an elder invited me in and then told me stories that I can recite and will never forget about patience and waiting for the for the elements to agree with what you're to do. Like you talked about going up, why he had extra bannock and tea, because they were supposed to leave for three days that day uh, to go 60 kilometers north to a rock course so they could make rock, so they'd make carvings. And, uh, and he said, but the wind was heavy and the water and the sea was rough, so we wait. And I mean, he said it so much more slower than that and so much more deliberate than that. And I was like, you didn't rent a bigger SUV? You didn't get a bobcat and start trekking through something from the military to get you through. He didn't just call up somebody and say, you can't tell me. I... He just waited. You patiently waited for the, for the earth to agree with what you're doing. And, uh, of course, then a few moments later, you know, throughout that same uh, travel, uh, one of my friends, John Houston, a great filmmaker, he was traveling with us and he, uh, he caught me because he could see my guitar. I was wearing my guitar on a knapsacky kind of thing, and he could see my guitar above the few people I was with. And he's like, Marshall, come here, give me your knife. I pull out a, a blade, and he starts cutting into a seal, and he's flipping the skin back, and the eyeball stays, but the hole goes with the skin. And he's describing what he's doing, and he's turning the body of the seal in the direction that they caught it so that it can, uh, so that it encourages future herds to come this way down the waterway and still give them their nourishment. And I'm like, there's so much reverence and respect in this taking of the life and the, the, of the exchanging uh, of what it's giving you. It was the most beautiful thing. And he gave me the seal meat, and it was slipping in my fingers. He goes, this is like the butter. And he hands me a piece of fat, and I'm like, Bleh. And he says, and this is like the steak. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. And then I looked at him, and he looks up smiling after he eats it, and his face is covered in blood. And I thought, you look like a cannibal, man. You look like something from a movie. So I take my little couple bites, and I'm, I'm like, thank you very much. There you go. And I tried to taste it, and it tasted like, after about 10 seconds, it was like I've been punched in the mouth 10 times, and I was just tasting blood and iron. I'm like, this is too much. So I walked over to the little community shack that was right there, and I went to go wash my, uh, wash my face and rinse my mouth out. And these little Inuit kids were laughing at me, and I looked at them, and one of them spoke English. I'm like, what's so funny? She goes, your face. I'm like, what? And I look in the little cracked mirror in this little room, and there's my face just covered in purple. And I'm like, I look like the guy outside. I look like him. I kind of look like I just ate an animal, which I did. Um, anyway, and that started, that was in 2007. I have gone almost every year. I've been asked to go back everywhere from Sable Island off the east coast of Canada, where the magical horses live all the way up to Greenland uh, and the topmost parts of Nunavut, uh, just south of Ellesmere. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, also in that journey, what, what really resonated with me was your continued voice in giving and how you wanted to give a sector of our community, uh, human beings, uh, irrelevant of their, their language, upbringing, anything, and deliver your music through ALS signage. Mm. Um, that really resonated with me. Uh, and the fact that you're delivering your music to the deaf mm-hmm. and your involvement with Dave Rumble, uh, the Rumble Foundation down in Toronto, and and having a, a, a signage for Zavera beside you or whoever it is, right, 
to to share your music with the deaf community and the energy that you've captured up on stage um, while others have silence in their life, but still can feel your energy as the delivering of your music in a different manner. That that seems to have really got a hold of you, hasn't it? I mean, uh, you know, mastering your signage skills and, you know, how did that all come about? That, and, and the story up north, um, you know, blew, yeah, the only one person, yeah. it just blew me away. Um, and that was beautiful how, how you, you gravitated to that magically, magically how that just came in your path and how you brought it up on stage and embraced more people in your life, right? Yeah. And delivered your message. So uh, it's beautiful. Tell us, please share that with, with us. Well, I started signing maybe four years in the past. Um, why? <laughs> I was traveling, uh, I'll stop signing at this point because I'm not that fast. Um, so when I was traveling to Sable Island with this company, Adventure Canada, uh, there was a lot of moments on that trip. It was a very specific trip. It was, uh, Sable Island is now um, uh, regulated or, or looked after by Parks Canada. Yeah. And um, we were the first public people allowed to go there uh, in a group larger than two. And so we had to go in little groups and go check out this place. Two things happened. One, I watched, it's the land of magical horses, uh, mystical horses, basically shipwrecks 60 years ago, 70 years ago, um, on this sandbar that was, there was two sandbars and the second one was bigger than the first one. And so people would hit the first one, start going down, maybe get themselves going, and then nail the second one. When they nailed there, they had to take all their horses off. Everybody swimming to shore, and then they built a little raft and they get back to Canada. But the horses stayed. So there's these magical horses that live on this island, and it happened several times. There's probably about 150 of them. Um, it's maybe about 2.7 kilometers either way on this little island. There's also a lot of seals. So as we'd zodiac over to the shoreline every morning, um, as the sun came up, you'd see swarms of you know a couple hundred seals probably uh, on the water. At one point, the seals go up onto the shoreline and just lay there and chill out um, on the beach. And, you know, it's cold, but they're up there. And the horses, as they're making their way around the island, just step over top of them. No horse bites a seal. No seal bites a horse. Nobody argues. There's no seals sitting there with a fish stand saying, get your fish here. You don't even have to go out the damn fish. You just get it right here. I charge 50% extra, but you can get your fish. Come on, everybody. Get your fish here easy. I was like, there's none of that. It's, there's no capitalism with the thing. It's they're just living naturally. So two things happen. That first thing, I started becoming a vegetarian and then stopped eating meat altogether um, because I thought there's another way for me to survive. They figured it out. Um, that was one. The second thing was the people that were able to afford to go on this thing. I was hired, so I didn't have to have the huge incomes that it took for people to go on this thing. The, Alex Trebek was with us from Jeopardy. Wow. Yeah. Um, there was a few other very significant, quite wealthy people. That Suzuki? I think David Suzuki. David Suzuki. Margaret Atwood was on one of the other trips. Wow. Wow. There were some heavy hitters that would be on this. And um, Al Trebek was on this one. And I remember on the very last day, we were just about to leave. And one of the, they were going around the table. Everybody was t kind of telling, you know, what they felt and what they got from all this. 
And everybody was saying, you know, well, I am a so-and-so, and I developed the first word processor. They weren't really saying it, touting their thing, but at the end of it, it felt like that because everybody had these amazing jobs. You know, from Alex to all of them, they were just like, I'm a forensic anthropologist scientist that goes into the, you know, blah, blah, in the jungles and yeah. discovers. Well, this one lady sitting right beside me, she goes, my story's not that cool. She goes, I really shouldn't be here. She goes, I'm with so-and-so over there. He's the one that brought me. Um, he wanted to bring a guest, and I'm the lucky recipient. She goes, I started off as an athlete. I broke my legs when I was in my 20s, so I thought I'd become a therapist for athletes. And one summer during my, my university study, she goes, I needed a job. So my girlfriend said, come work at the school I work at. She goes, I walked into the school for my job, and they said, okay, your classroom's there. Uh, just got to basically look after the kids and figure out a curriculum. Um, and so they all went their separate ways. Five minutes later, she comes out. She goes, the children in my class are deaf. There's like 10 eight-year-olds, and they're deaf. And I don't speak sign language, and I don't understand them. They said, we know. We didn't really want to tell you and scare you. They just need someone to babysit them. They're getting in trouble. And she goes, well, they're getting in trouble because you've got hearing kids over here that are eight years old, and they're getting taught, and you got deaf kids here, and they're just sitting here frustrated. So she realized the lack of... Uh, responsibility was being taken place and she decided I can do something about it so she went and she started learning sign language so then she not only became uh, learning sign language and then started teaching these kids but then she went to Gaudet University in the States um, where she learned how to become a sign language teacher in all the subjects and then came back and taught those kids and while we were away she got an email from one of her students who had just turned 24 years old and she just got her masters a deaf girl that could have been left I get it every time could have been left with no education. And this woman took it upon herself to do something about it. And I thought, you directly and deliberately, single-handedly changed the impact of one person and more. But you could have, you did it for one. It's possible to do it just for one person. And I thought, here I am, like you, I shouldn't be here. I don't have the income to be in this place. I don't even have the clout where I come from to be, you know, is the best musician on this trip? Probably not. But, definitely not. But, I'm here. And if I'm given this lucky opportunity, could I maybe share that with somebody else? I can't bring a person I know from home because I don't have the money to do that. But if I learn sign language, and then right away, I walked over to my expedition leader. I said, do you ever have deaf people come on this trip? And he says, no. I said, there's no deaf staff member, is there? Or like signing staff member. He goes, no. I'm like, I could be that. I could be the guy that while we're in this little zodiac and you're discussing why these Fomar birds migrate to this spot and hundreds of thousands of them and then they're going to make the long trek and then come back. I could explain that to a person if I learned how to sign. And within two weeks of getting home from that trip in September of 2017, I enrolled in the Barry Muskoka um, sign language classes. And I took it for three and a half years until COVID hit and then we uh, uh, then it's been on hold. But that thing was kind of where I've always been. The kid that is st stuck in a situation that thinks it's unbearable or doesn't know how to get out. The person that feels like there's no other opportunity. The person behind the eight ball. The underdog. The, the people you'd least expect to win. I'm always vying for that because I'm the least expected to win the race. I was the least expected to get out. So why can't I bring that hope to somebody else and in this case the deaf community i realized was completely the guys were showing up to dj a party and they're like well they're just here at the base so crank the bass turn off the treble play whatever song they don't care 
not knowing that A, not everybody here is deaf because not everybody in every deaf family is all deaf. And there's so many levels of being deaf. You could be 100% deaf and hear nothing, or you could have like 30% hearing loss and be considered in the deaf community. So I thought, you're not going to get that from me. You're going to get a real performance as if you are right here, here at every word I say. And if I can't sign it, somebody else will. And that's where Vera has come in and she signs it and not reinterprets it her own way. She's trying to interpret the way I am expressing it, which is a cool, cool thing. It's not somebody's take on your thing. It's somebody trying to re-deliver your thing. Is that how you came about and composed Outcrowd? Yeah, 100%. It's exactly where Outcrowd came from. I'm for the underdog who's been held down like the single mom who can't seem to catch a break. I'm for the little kid on the playground with a bloody nose that's had all he can take. Love that song. There's a damn good reason he's coming up swinging. You just heard how a song was created from his heart. (laughs) <laughs> how deep, right? You just heard. You just heard how that song came about. That's what I wanted to deliver today. And when you get to his his website, listen to Outcrowd. And then that song will have such a different perspective. You you nailed it, man. And yeah. and you just came, you just gave it to me. You just yeah. gave it to me. That's where the Outcrowd came. Yeah. Right, right from there, that love. Hundred percent. Wow, wow. Um, you've had some magical front men in front of you at you, you a great summer with uh jim cuddy and blue rodeo yeah. i mean just a little bit about that that must have been i got asked to sing lost together yeah i saw that. Cool that i know it yeah. must have been incredible right Dude, i mean it's it's one of those it's it's like being able to hit a ball off your favorite pitcher or skate with your favorite player yeah you know you no, get amazing jim looks at you and he flags you to the front to sing the next verse and i'm like I got this. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. I, I got this. You know, I I, I I, can see your journey mapped out. Listen, I ask all my guests this because the world has changed in the last year so drastically. Yeah. So here you are in your balanced frame of mind. Your music is coming together. Your delivery is coming together. Your, your body and your soul are one. And um, a lot of great things you have in your mind that are that are down the pipeline and all of a sudden who could have expected this who could have expected a complete shutdown yeah and what i've learned during the shutdown is you make it what it is and and you handle and you get through it right you can mope about it and or just be positive and try to evolve and and there'll be better days like there's always better days right i mean history has proven that to us right yeah how about you the man the music your journey your you're, you're elevating yourself 2018, 2019, your last two great singles, Outcrowd, Back in Town. You know, you're rolling, you've got plans, bookings, and then the shutdown. How did, how did you deal with that? Man of the House, by the way, was supposed to come out in February as things started to get really weird. We had all the promo, we had everything ready. And, um, but again... As we discussed earlier, when you're of the kind of the mindset of you can deliberately change what you need to deliberately change and uh, you can you can affect your life. It's not up to other people. Um, My nose is running. It's not up to other people. They cannot be responsible for your own happiness. You have to be responsible for finding your own. Uh, And everybody can't. It's very difficult when you're in a a slum or when you're in a habit of other 
things because it makes it difficult to, to get your get your step right. I don't know why my nose is running anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have I don't have any disease. Uh, yeah, here. Oh. Excuse me. Yeah, well, you know, this is real TV. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. All right, cheers. All right, cheers. Um, that's probably because all those little tears I tried to hold back, and now they're coming from my noses. Um, but uh, I got busy right away. I was lucky that I had um, I had my own little setup at home where I could record, I could stream. I saw buddies of mine not with that setup yet, and so it was a difficult learning curve. Some decided to make the curve, others said, I'm out, I can't tap in now. Um, I saw some of the smartest, strongest, best musicians, best on stage guys that you would never want to be without kind of crumble during this time. Um, not knowing who they are, not feeling confident in themselves, not thinking there was a future, very down. And I just kept being busy. I kept calling them to encourage, and I kept being busy myself, whether it be learning new skills, learning how to better my online stuff. There was, there's always things to do when you're independently driven. And, uh, and I find that I'm used to not making money. I'm used to doing things that don't necessarily make money in the moment. And people will look and say, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I know it doesn't seem like I'm that good a piano player, but if I do practice it, it becomes better for the stage. And this does make me money because I can then do a better job there. Like little things like that. And there was lots of time to do those kind of catch up things, um, learn new skills and develop yourself so that when this does kind of, blow over and when things open up to at least you know what the new world is or what the new parameters are you've got um you are already working out it's kind of like being ready for the big fight always you gotta always be ready you gotta be in 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 fight condition i don't mean fight like you gotta fight but i mean you gotta be if you're a runner you gotta stay in shape you can't just not run and then expect to run after four months and say "Ooh, look at me i've always been a good runner yeah you gotta you gotta find those disciplines that work in and outside the ring in or off the stage in or out of the office in or out of the family what are your habits what are your what are your routines that, that keep you going? And when I stop working out for a few weeks, maybe a month, I feel it, notice it, and realize, you got to put it back, dude. You can't be without it. Yeah. You can't stop breathing. Yeah. You know, you got to keep things moving. So, um, I know you're going to play a song for us, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we're heading towards the end of the podcast. But, you know, when I, when I was looking into your, your life and history, there was a song that, that I just listened to and it was one of the first songs. So I I don't know you and have followed you. Uh, I am a great Dane now. (laughs) I'm a great Dane now. Um, But I I listened to above last night Mm -hmm. and I will tell you, you you have to do what, what I did in listening to this song, just the earbuds and there was this element, but better, a Marshall Dane element. But man, that was like as close to a Bon Jovi melody and that and voice that I could have sworn it was. It was Marshall Dane, but it was beautiful. Your 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 tone and that ballad delivery that you have. Um, 
if it's fair for me to say it's Bon Jovi like. I'll take that, man. Uh, I tell I you, I got made a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking about making a dollar, I, I I also sense you know, yeah, you know, I know we all have that end game for passion and and what we want to deliver, but Marshall, I I I really do sense with you that the end game for you is 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 really not planned. I I, I don't think you have this direction of I want to go there because fame and this and 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 money sure if it's added it's added but after getting to know you better you know and and thank you for this time with me I I don't believe that that's really your end game I I, I mean you're doing it for the love of what you love to do and making other people's lives better and just carrying on and and that's what I get from you, man. Like, uh, uh, somebody asked me a couple of, maybe a few weeks ago, we were doing an outdoor small little festival type of show. And somebody said, I know somebody that works in the record business. Do you even want to go beyond where you're at? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course I do. I mean, like, I would love to have those, those, those connections and those things yeah. happen. But you're not missing it when you see me play here because I'm not missing it. I'm not missing somebody else's, somebody else's contract for me to be having the best show of my life tonight and performing like yeah. this could be this could be the one. Um, it's uh, even back. I used to sell. I sold insurance for a while. Became an underwriter when I first came out of school because I thought maybe I want to wear a suit and tie every day, and it was a cool job. And I remember the first thing I was telling uh, my little friend yesterday, actually a buddy of mine, and they gave me a list. They said they like a little test before you start. And they said list these ten things in order. Of, of priority and so it had everything from uh, spending time with family to making lots of money to business incentives yeah. uh, and bonuses to uh, vacation time um, personal growth all those different things and literally number 10 was making money number one was either family or personal growth and number two was the other the only thing I'm really sure of is that I want to feel fulfilled I really want to feel fulfilled, not selfishly absorbing it, but I want to feel like I'm adding to the equation. And so if I'm selling a pair of jeans that I don't believe in, I'm not adding to the equation and I'm not going to do a good job. But if I just read a book or heard a song that changed my life or I heard an expression, that to me is, is worthy of my time to look into that and maybe share that expression. So whichever way it plays out, I've always had music work. I've always been able to survive. I've made a little independent career out of doing my music. That is, you know, you could ask somebody in Manitoba, you ever heard of Marshall Dane? Like, nope. But I still have a corner store where you can buy my wares. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, a virtual one. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely more important to me to be real to that thing. Not because anybody says so or because I think it's the cooler thing to do. Because I've tried the other and it just didn't sit right. And so the only way I can feel the best way is if I say yes. Like, I mean, people are offering me work during COVID, uh, during the downtime, to do things that I don't really want to do. And as much as I need the money because I don't qualify for unemployment insurance, I don't really want to do that. So unless I have to... Do that. And, and I mean, I'll scrub toilets. I got no problem working. But I really, really, really 
feel like I can skim and scrape and save and not worry about spending anything and still do that musical thing that I love to do. Because that, to me, if you're driven like that, that's got to be right. It's got to be right for you. And you're following your mama's advice. All you need is love. You really do, man. She, it, it's the bottom line. If you love... Somebody asked me a couple years ago, she said, do you love yourself? And I said, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I get it. It's a weird thing to say. It's a hard thing to get over. There's a little ego that says... But you have to say it. But you have to say it because if you don't, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. So you love yourself and then you realize, oh, I'm going to do that for me. I'm going to do that for others. Yeah. So what do you got? Marshall Dane. Well... Let's see here, man. We can go into some of the deep stuff. We can uh, do that light song that I was, that new tune I was working on. I think I'm going to call it, go ahead and call your mama. Yeah. Um, whatever you want, man. Uh, whatever you want. Body language. I got a call, song called Letting Me Go. It's your stage. Okay, I'll tell you what. I don't ever really play this song. This isn't the new one, but it's a new one. But uh, just because we've gone down some deep roads, and I mean, I could play alcohol abuse and love and alcohol till the cows come home and we can do that if you want but this one here it rarely gets a play but it's definitely one of my favorite lyric songs you'll hear some of my uh, I'm gonna let the bees out here you'll hear some of my um, a lot of my religious upbringing in this song just cause of the words that I uh, pull out and you, you'll hear a little bit of my own struggling with demons and how I uh, where I chose to overcome or how I chose to overcome them what I replaced those feelings with. I'm gonna bring it all to you, man. Bring it in, baby. Hang on a second. Let's make this guitar sound a little bit warmer.
as Marshall Dane. Cheers, oh dude. man, oh man, love it. This is being taped on Thursday. Marshall, you're in Owen Sound? Tomorrow morning, I'll be there by 8.30 a.m. Yeah, this is released on Saturday. But what if one is a Saturday night, Williams and Alliston. Yeah. Marshall Dane rocking the house. I got the whole band in. They know my songs. They crush my songs. They song. crush. Yeah. And, you know, Sandra and her crew there just crush it up in entertainment. Yeah. It's such a good vibe, man. They got heaters. They got little cool lights. They got a band shell. Yeah. Everything's really good. Anything you want to share, uh, Marshall? Listen, MarshallDane.com, is that the best That's... resource for yeah. getting your music and listening to it and yeah. and downloading it? You've got a merch shop. What? Anything you want to share? That no, That's in there. You can get all my links from the Marshall Dane page, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Those are my two main socials that I use. Uh, definitely follow along or join in. Um, well, I always do little comments and stuff like that back and forth with my fans. As well as um, uh, YouTube is probably the other best bet for uh, for grabbing videos and definitely checking that out. Yeah. I mean, you covered all that, so. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, my Marshall. Pleasure. I'm telling you. This is a blessed journey here in a Marshall Dane. Listen to his music, man. You know, you know, you know him inside now and deep. Thank you for sharing your story. I love you, man. Thank I love you. Cheers, man. dude. Love you right back, man. Thanks okay. kindly for that. Thank you. You'll be uh, seeing me on the next episode of TNT Weekly. Thank you, Marshall. Cheers, All right. I look forward to uh, chatting with you again. Right on. All right. Awesome. Ciao. Peace, everybody. Peace, man. And all you need is love. Yeah, man. It's all that matters in the end. All right. Yeah. Take care. Whoa, baby. Heavy, man. That was something else. Yeah. That was great. Really heavy. Oh, that's a little bit of a joke. Oh, that's a little bit of a joke.